Welcome to Pursuing Perfectcellence, the weekly, bi-weekly, or frankly, whenever I can get around to it, leak glimpse into my type A-tastic journey away from the paralyzing pursuit of perfection and toward the empowering expectation of excellence. I'm your host, Hannah Holmes. Now, buckle up. I'm not exactly sure where this car is headed, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a fun ride. Hey friends, I am beyond excited to share with you this interview with my next guest. His name is Danny Cobbin. He's a super life coach, and he's going to tell you more about what that means. He is remarkable. He has so much wisdom, and we talk about a whole lot of different things from upbringing to how that shapes us to the ways that insecurities seep in, to how we perceive the world and those around us, um, how to take our thoughts captive, messages we get from the outside world versus the messages that we are filtering inside that may be faulty and how we can get those lined up so that we're living a more peaceable and authentic reality. We even get into some really cool conversations about relationships, about marriage, about parenting, um, just about who we are in various circumstances and various roles that we play. Trust me when I say that you will want to stick it out for this entire interview. Danny is going to walk you through his life and his experiences and where his turning point was when he said, I am betraying who I really am and I know that there's something different and something more. And so looking at that, and I really think there are going to be so many things in here that listeners can apply to various aspects of your life. Super, super intelligent man. At the end, he's going to tell you how to find him, how to book him if you want to do any kind of life coaching sessions. Uh, i think you would not be disappointed if you were to sit down with him and let him do a clarity session with you. Um, Anyways, without any further introduction, it's impossible to give him an adequate introduction, but let's get on with this. It's so good. So welcome, Danny. Thanks for being here with me today. So tell me a little bit about yourself. You are a super coach. Super coach, transformational coach, but... uh, Okay. Transformation, transformational coach that graduated from Super Coach Academy, which okay. is this like little niche of coaches that follow three P. Uh, without getting into that, it's like three principles okay. of life, like the understanding behind the way the mind kind of sort of works. Wonderful. And so for the last three or four years, I wanted to be a life coach. I wanted to start a YouTube channel. I wanted to start a podcast. And I struggled. Okay. What was your struggle? The struggle was like, I didn't think I was enough. I didn't think um, anybody wanted to listen to me. I didn't think I would have the resources to make the whole thing happen. One of my favorite Bible verses is don't despise the day of the small beginning. I started this one. You and I talked outside the lab. We talked about this podcast. And then... I did a couple of episodes. I went through the same mindset that you had, that that who's going to listen to me? And the thing that blows my mind is when I listen to you saying those words, when you and I talked about you having a podcast, I was like, of course, because you are such a positive person. You're magnetic. I love it. I got to work with you at the gym. You made me feel welcome and seen and I had a name and I wasn't just a face in a crowd at a place where I was insecure and feeling like I'm going to just shrink back. There are all these real powerhouses all around me and you were genuinely, it wasn't an act. It was genuinely just who you are. And so then I got to see you at my old job when I worked at the at the high school and you came in and you were the UPS guy and I was like, oh my goodness, I get to see him again because I had stopped working out at the, at, at the lab. And so to me, it all made sense when you said, this is a desire of my heart, yet now I'm processing the fact that you went through those insecurities. I wonder what... 
where do you think those insecurities arose from? Where do you think that comes from? Uh, we have to go way back, way, way back. Um, you know, shockingly, I asked my mom a few weeks ago, I was like, hey, what would you tell 12 year old me? She's like, oh, like right now, like today, I would tell you to keep going. You're on the right path. Oh. And she started telling me about like how I was when I was 12. She was like, people used to come talk to you and like, y'all would talk about I don't know what, but for some reason there was something about you that attracted people where y'all would have these deep conversations. I didn't remember that at all, but I do remember fourth grade. And in fourth grade, we went from inner city mm -hmm. to the suburbs. Okay. And my fourth grade year, I remember going, like I had to be put in CMC because the teacher's like, he's behind, there's no way for him to catch up. And then my kid brain, I heard, you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're oh, not gonna be able to catch up. Right. Right? Now, as an adult, I look back and say, oh, like I switched from an inner city school where we were behind, like in our understanding of school. Like, they right. were like, he doesn't know how to write in cursive. I was like, I ain't never heard of cursive before. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah. so the discrepancy was, I'm a year behind. Mm -hmm. And so then ninth, 10th, 11th grade year, I'm super good at math. But my reading and my writing is still lagging behind because, A, nobody had the time to put into me to catch me up for a year. And then I didn't see that, oh, like, if I just work at it for a little bit, then mm -hmm. I, could, I could catch up. Mm -hmm. So, ninth, tenth grade year, I'm in CMC, which is content mastery, which okay. is essentially we send you somewhere else to kind of sort of slow things down. Right. And I wanted to be in advanced math. Well, they wouldn't put me in advanced placement math because I can't read. Oh. So whenever I have like um, word problems, like we don't know that you're going to be able to do those. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm, I master the game when it comes to like reading something, not knowing what it says, but getting the gist of what they're trying to say. Right. And I remember that really set me back. Like, Oh, like, not only am I good at this, but because I'm bad at this, I can't do what I'm this good at. This thing that I'm good at. Yes. So wow. I then, senior year, wanted to become a psychologist. Like, I had a really good psychology teacher. Yeah. Who's also my English teacher. Mm -hmm. And he guided me in this way. He wasn't even trying to. I was like, all right, I'll just be a psychologist. Mm -hmm. I come to ACU freshman year, and I started a psychology major I switch over to a, like my sophomore year, switch over to a math teacher because uh -huh. people are like, yeah, that's what you're passionate about. You should do that. But at that point, like I hadn't been in math like I should have been. Right. So I'm looking at these math and I'm just like, oh man, the challenge. And know. you've already, you've also got a mental block in your brain that's telling you you're not going to be able to do this, even yep. if you try. Yep. Yep. Wow. So what happened next? So, I mean, I'm just, I just get on the UPS and I'm working at UPS and I just forget about, hey, helping people, being a teacher. I just forget about all of it. I'm like, mm -hmm. this is my, this is what I'm doing now. This is where I'm at. Surviving. I'm going to do whatever I can do to, to make a living. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 2008 hits. The economy crashes. I'm in school at the time. People mm -hmm. are like, I know somebody that graduated their master's degrees. They're working at McDonald's. I'm like. Uh, why would I be at school? I'm just going to go, <laughs> UPS, here it mm -hmm. is. And I was 28 years old or so. And I can vividly remember this conversation with my wife. I sat down and I was like, I don't know who you are. We weren't married then. That one talk changed my life. And she cried, like we cried about it. When I said it, I didn't know what I was trying to say. Mm -hmm. But over the course of a few weeks, what I was saying was like, we've been together all this time. and We don't know each other well enough to keep moving forward. So you had a crisis all around, just a, like people have a midlife crisis. It sounds like you were having a mid twenties life crisis. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you're dating Courtney and you've had this moment. You're looking around saying the economy's crashing. People are getting degrees and working at McDonald's. I'm not doing that. I'm going to get a job. I'm dating this woman. And now I've decided I don't, we don't really know each other. How, how come you didn't know each other? What was happening? Were you... Were you preoccupied? What was happening? I was preoccupied. She was doing what she needed to do. She had graduated her master's degree at ACU. Mm -hmm. She was working that job and another job. She was literally everything that you could ask for in mm -hmm. a person, doing exactly what she needed to do. So like, in some ways, I knew it wasn't her. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know you, but it's not you 
it's not your fault I don't know you it's my fault mm-hmm. like I've been doing all this other stuff it's almost an awakening so like we have that conversation and then I'm 30 years old we're getting married and I'm like oh like, I need to step up as a man I'm lagging behind here my brother told me today about something he heard on a different podcast sounds like you need to take some try acting <laughs> have you heard that before I'm like try acting like a man <laughs> No, it was pretty funny. I thought, okay, that's a good one. You could probably use that on a whole lot of, try acting like you're happy. That's exactly right. That's it. So you're 30 years old. You've had this awakening. You've said, hey, I don't know you, but inside you're realizing it really is a case of it's not you, it's me. And what changed? I don't know. Somewhere in there, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts, listening to a bunch of like, um, books and things like that so essentially between 28 and i'm 35 now Mm -hmm. 32 i taught myself to read so that's how i know that's how i know that i could have done it back then absolutely i just didn't have the motivation so like i have a son that's he's 14 Mm -hmm. and he came and lived with me and courtney and the same exact thing was said about him we walked into school here and the teacher said he's a year behind Mm. we don't know what's gonna happen but like he needs to be held back and this is at the start of january when we go back to school mm-hmm. he needs to be held back next year mm. so they're already deciding he's not gonna catch up and yeah me and my wife i, I tell her no, no 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 he just needs to focus in on this because if he focuses in like he'll be good mm-hmm. making zeros i didn't know you can make zeros on tests i didn't know that they still allowed you to yeah like <laughs> He gave up entirely. Yeah. He wasn't even trying at all. Yes, and that's where I was at his age. Mm-hmm. And I and I had seen it. And so like me and her, we we come together. Like, no, we're gonna we're gonna force him to do this. Mm-hmm. Like every night he gets home from school, you're gonna sit down and you're gonna study. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do that. We go in for that last six weeks report, and the teacher's like, I don't know what y'all have done, but if y'all keep doing this, by the time he goes back to school, he'll be right where he needs to be. Wow. Right on track. So now you've not only overcome what you were right you're now teaching your own son content that you were told you're not gonna you're like you know what they said i can't do it and i did it and i'm teaching it and you're instilling confidence in your son that so that his there's not a generational pattern going down to him as well that and has it made a difference in his life we talked about it a little bit Mm -hmm. like i was like do you remember coming here he's like all I remember is that you forced me to do something that I didn't want to do and I got better at it. I was like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. He's like, yeah, so I think I could do anything. I just don't want to. So what I, what I took from that is he knows he has it inside of him. There will be a day that comes that he'll want to do something. Mm-hmm. And he will look back on that time and say, oh, man, like I didn't want to do that, but I got it done. Maybe I can do that again. Mm-hmm. And that's all I wanted for him. Mm-hmm. And through all of that, seeing that more and more is possible. Yeah. So back on the UPS truck, um, listening to podcasts and stuff, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to be a life coach. This is three three years ago. Mm -hmm. I remember getting out of life coaching school, like, I'm ready to go. Let's do this thing. (laughs) And the very first client was going through a divorce. And I'm like sitting in front of him like, I remember you telling me that you started doing life coaching and all of a sudden when you were starting to meet with people, you were like, this is different territory. It's a whole lot easier when you're going through classes versus when you're sitting in in people's stuff. But I'm going to encourage you in this. Like, I think we can overthink in those times and think like, what do I need to apply here? What principle do I need to pull off the back shelf of my brain? And sometimes we forget our hearts, just natural inclination. You had people at age 12 coming to you for advice. And so being able to look at someone and see them as a person. And yes, there are principles to apply, but also just the human, the humanity and the natural giftedness that you have trusting yourself in that. So you said you had your first client? Yeah, had the first client. Didn't go well at all. Uh-huh. Like, hey, I, I need to go back to the drawing board. I need to learn more. <laughs> maybe I need another certification on top of this one. Yes. And yes. How many more certifications do I need in order to, to be good at this? 
And so I'm in the Tony Robbins world. Yes. And I'm like, okay, UPWs, uh, day with this. And I'm talking to people and they're like, Danny, you already have everything that you need. You don't need any more like training. You don't need any more like studying. And I'm like, mm, yes, I do. You and I are wired so similarly. It's mind boggling. I knew I I knew I felt like drawn to you for a reason. Just everything you're saying, it feels like you're describing my mindset on everything. So keep going. I did so it's crazy. Right before day with Destiny, I tell myself, I'm going to go through a 30 day period of intense like personal development. Sure. So that I can be ready to date with Destiny to go through whatever it is. And date with Destiny is like a seven day deep dive with Tony um, into just where you want your life to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I'm like, okay, 30 days. And I get the 30 days. I'm like, no, mm-mm. Let's, let's go for 60. I can do it. <laughs> let's just go for 60. I get Bell's palsy oh, uh, right did. before I go to the Tony Robbins event. I'm like, how is this possible? Like, why do I have Bell's palsy? Like, I'm at the event and it's not that noticeable, but I'm telling people, yeah, I got Bell's palsy. They're like, I wouldn't have known that if you didn't tell me. <laughs> But you're afraid people are going to sit here like, I need to let them know what this is. I'm not half smiling at you. I am. <laughs> you got to know. Like, you have to know that in order to, for us to communicate. Right. Like, do I really have to throw this out here? So I leave date with Destiny, have this conversation with the coach about you have everything that you need. And I had already signed up for Super Coach Academy, mm-hmm. um, which was starting in January, which I didn't really know much about. Is that Tony Robbins? Tony Robbins was the day with Destiny. Um, Super Coach is Michael Neal. Okay. And a great book for anybody out there is called The Inside Out Revolution. Okay. Like if you want to know anything I've heard you about talk it, about that. It's fantastic. I go to this training week one, and the thought is, is I'm ready to learn to coach this. And it's Tuesday. And I realized, oh, this is for me. This is for my growth. Mm-hmm. Like I've done all of this over this past how many ever years, but this I, I vibe with. This was, yes, you can go out and fight the world, mm-hmm. but busting through walls has a consequence. Mm-hmm. And I had saw that with my Bell's palsy. Mm-hmm. Like I was stressing myself out so much that half my face is not working anymore. Mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here on day two and the guy's saying like yeah like you don't have to think all that that kind of stuff and I'm not understanding what he's saying but what I realized is I didn't need to get better at coaching I need to get better in grounding in what this is like life how this works so week one I come back and I taught my wife the OPA system it's Tony Robbins know your outcome know your purpose and then know your action plan. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching her this. One week later, I come back and she's telling me about her OPA plan. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, OPA, remember last week you're talking about it? And I was like, no, I don't remember talking about that oh last week. Oh my goodness. It felt like a year and a half ago that we had talked about that. Because you were so consumed with just your wheels turning constantly. So I have jumped time and space. Mm-hmm. So essentially, how long does it take to change? Like for me, I used to think it took forever. Changing is like almost like that now. So I get back, me and my wife are talking and I realize we don't need to develop our relationship. That's what's causing the problem. The problem is, is we're trying to get better. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that we need to get better anymore. Actually, we just need to be in the best possible mood that we can and then interact in that best possible mood that we can. So moods go up and down, right? Sure. So sometimes we're in a high mood. UPS, when I worked at UPS, great example. Um, I would be at UPS and I walk in the door and I'm singing, dancing, walk in the door, my mood drops. Right. As soon as I see the packages, as soon as I see the work, I'm like, ugh, my mood changes. Mm-hmm. And then I go out on the road, I leave you, like I'm at UPS working, but I'm out on the road, so I'm no longer thinking about what my work means. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, oh, well, this is a good day. Wind's blowing, music's on. You're letting everything around you affect. Yes. Yeah. Everything around me is affecting. And what Supercoach did was it helped me to see that we are creating our experience. Mm-hmm. At every moment, we are creating our experience. Versus our experience, we're responding to what's happening to us. Mm-hmm. So... 
Tony Robbins kind of sort of taught me that I want to be the best possible state to go tackle whatever I'm doing. What I found through this is like, it's all my experience. Like if me and my wife are fighting, I'm not fighting with her. I'm fighting with the wife in my head. Uh-huh. There's a version of her in my head that I'm speaking to. And she may be talking about something completely different mm -hmm. than what I'm hearing this person up here. And it may not even be the version of your wife in your head that you're fighting with, but it may be something way back from your childhood or growing up that is affecting your filter for how you're hearing her. It may have nothing to do with a version of her. It may, it's these, well, it is a version of her, but it's based on these assumptions you've made about her intention. Yes. That's causing you to react and it's yeah i get it yes yeah and what was cool was realizing when i'm in a good mood those same things don't look good is don't look as real as when i'm in a bad mood mm -hmm. so if i'm in any sort of like if i'm down depressed angry upset frustrated any of those lower moods whenever i'm upset or whenever something is going on with me and her i know just to walk out the room now Mm -hmm. Like me and her have had the conversation to say, hey, if I walk out of the room, it's because I'm in a low mood and I don't want to say something that I got to pick back up. I like it that y'all have had that conversation. That's really important that you've said, you've sat down together and said, listen, I know myself well enough to know if I walk away, it's not because I don't care or this isn't important, but it's because I'm not in the state to be able to manage this well. Mm-hmm. I told my husband on the phone yesterday about something. Instead of taking that route, I said to him, you are very defensive right now. I'm going to hang up. And he, like, I'm going to get off of this conversation. I don't know where this is headed, but you are being very defensive right now. And he said, thank you. And I think it was his way of really just saying, like, you can say it's because I'm being defensive, but it's really because you're not in the state to be talking to me right now. So let's just get off the phone because we're not like, you know, and so it's funny. Like I'm growing. I always, I love the expression, you know, and it, it's so true. Like I'm not where I need to be, but I, thank God I'm not where I used to be. I've seen massive growth. I've started studying Tony Robbins. I was actually scheduled to be this weekend at a Tony Robbins event, and I um, now I'm going to be doing it virtually, and then I'll get to go next year. And Ed Milet is someone that I listen to. If you don't listen to his podcast, I really recommend it. I'm all about the personal growth journey, and I, I love what you were saying about that you talked to your mom and you said, hey... What would you say to 12-year-old me? And she said, well, I'd tell you, you're on the right path. And there's something that happens for so many of us in that in-between. I'm very introverted, but I'm an outgoing introvert. And so for the longest time, I didn't realize I was an introvert. And so I was running myself ragged and not accepting the fact that I do have to recharge by myself or internally because I thought, well, I should be an extrovert. But really, a lot of my extroverted tendencies are just coping mechanisms for me. I don't think it's really a guard because I love talking to people, but I much prefer what we're doing right now. A one-on-one -on -one conversation where you're both learning and growing from each other and getting validated and saying like, oh my goodness, that, yes, I feel that. But if I went back to early childhood, I was painfully shy. Now I did acting classes and I could get up on stage and perform. So I'm a performance-minded introvert. I like that maybe that's where the outgoing part comes. I, I can turn it on when it's time to perform. But then I have to go back and and be by myself or I don't have the energy or the patience to deal with all the things that come at me as a, as a mom, as a, as a full-time working mom, as right now a full-time working homeschooling, like, well, and all yes. that, you know? And so where I was going with that though, is that like, I was painfully shy. And then I remember my sophomore, maybe it was my junior year in, I was in French class and I had a good friend in that class and he and I were just cut ups. We laughed and played and were joking all the time. And I got my first bad mark in citizenship for excessive talking. But prior to that, I never really was a talker. I was, 
I kept to myself. I did wear sarcasm as a way to keep people at bay. But if I go back to my authentic self before all the messages of the world started coming in, I was shy. And that's, maybe that's a a little bit of scared, but also it's probably an introverted tendency. People who are shy probably just kind of don't want to be talking to a whole bunch of people at once, don't like a whole lot of new strangers. I mean, for me, I guess, I, I may be totally wrong about that assessment, but, you know, so then for me to go all the way up until just a few years ago and have a light bulb moment of like, wait a second, I'm actually an introvert. It's been a game changer for me because now I know if I go to a party, I don't get mad at myself for being kind of cranky when I get home. And not that I, not that that gives me a right to be an ugly to everybody around me, but just to make it known through communication. Mom's an introvert. I've been given all I have out here today. And now it's time for me. I have to have a few minutes to go back and be by myself and not answer all the questions and not do all the planning and not do all the things to make everybody else happy right now. I have to just go and be by myself. So there was a time when I despised that about myself. I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I so cranky? Why am I so tired? Why am I? And, and part of it is even as an extrovert, if you have too many things on your plate, you're going to get overwhelmed and you're going to have a hard time facing everything. You got to learn to set boundaries in life and limits. And so you also have to know where your niche is. And you were talking about different personality types and uh-huh. introvert versus extrovert. And I know you have twins. Yeah. I used to not understand the whole thing. Introvert, extrovert, until I had them. Oh, yeah. And so, like, you could say Ari is an extrovert and Danny is in ways an introvert. Uh But they switch roles often, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating because I realized for myself, kind of like you, like, oh, like, I'm interacting a specific type of way. And the moment I realized, oh, I could act this other way, there's a whole new field of possibilities for me. Mm-hmm. And so with the twins, like raising them has been a game changer for me mm-hmm. because I now am like, okay, what does Danny need? Cause it's not the same thing that Arya needs. So true. We, you know, we talked about it the other day in the context of when you're in education, you just brought it up. You were in an educational system that then you switched systems and your whole, your whole previous system was behind then you've got to catch up, but there are however many other kids in a class, you know, they're not able to specially meet your needs. They can't see what your specific needs are and address those. And that same thing happens in our families. We so often expect our kids to meet us where we are as parents and they're, they have their own unique setup. So what are they coming to the table with and how do I need to adjust in order to connect with them. My son, if he gets really, really mad, he has to pull away. He has to be on his own. And for a while, I took it really personally. I thought, I need to draw him in. I need to touch him. I need to, and he gets angry when I do that. But my daughter needs touch. She wants me to draw her in. She's my socialite. She's the one that's extroverted. Jonah, when he gets home from school, he has to go be by himself for a little while because the school days worn him smooth out. So tell me how that's played out with you. Well, let me say this, which is interesting. Aria, we would say, is the extrovert, Danny the introvert. But when she's crying and upset and frustrated, she, if you touch her, she pushes you away. Oh, how interesting. So it has nothing to do with that. It's just like her need for touch versus not touch. That's and him, Mm -hmm. like if he gets upset, like if he's upset... He's yelling at you, up, up, up. Like, I want you to pick me up. Oh, Like, yeah. pick me up, pick me up. But, like, he wants to be left alone. Uh-huh. Like, whenever he's not. Uh-huh. So, realizing that, like, I really do feel like I've been blessed in this way of having both of these very unique personalities placed in front of me as a life coach. Because now, like, before I was like, yeah, everybody needs to see sunshine and rainbows. Uh-huh. Everybody needs to see that way. But not everybody sees sunshine and rainbows. That's so good, Danny. You know? And yeah. So, I don't know. It's been very interesting. Because you do strike me as someone who's 
you seem, and I know that everybody sees only certain side. I can turn it on anytime I'm outside of this house. You know what I mean? And then you talked about it, even going to UPS, that environment, you could feel yourself sink. Well, I can sometimes do that at home. I'm, I'm on, I'm laughing, I'm cutting up. I'm very playful by nature. And then I come home and I feel like I have to be serious all the time. Like this is my place where I have to be serious and I have to keep everybody in line and I have to make sure that, you know, the house is staying clean and I, I have to make sure that the homework's getting done and the things are getting scheduled and we're going to bed on time because I don't want everybody to be in a cranky mood and I really don't want another call from the school, you know, and it's like yeah. all these things that like, it really, it goes back to feeling like I'm answering to a world out there. What are they going to think of what's going on here? But what if I just brought what I'm taking out there into here and trusted that that's what my family needs? That's it right there. Me and Courtney, um, we have really impactful conversation now that I'm t- talking to you about it. Uh-huh. And the conversation was like, why is it that you go to your friend's house and y'all laugh and joke? Like, I've never seen, you never laugh like that over here. Mm-hmm. You never joke like that over here. Uh-huh. Right? And I'm like, why is that? But it goes back to what I realized about we don't need a personal development. What I was doing was like, I'm like anytime she goes off to for a joke, I take it as serious mm-hmm. because I think you're trying to hurt me in some way. Mm-hmm. So oh, when, wow. when I realize, oh, I'm in a low mood when she says this stuff, it really it helps me to realize, oh, like she's not joking because I don't allow her to joke. I want to I want to put a sign on my wall that says, "We all just need a nice dose of lighten up." <laughs> that, that's a good one. You know, because that's in the house. I'm like, why is this the place where, why? Like, this is a good, yeah. Everything is so serious at the house. Like, oh, everything is so serious. Mm -hmm. My first, like, (laughs) Aria was not feeling well, like, earlier in the week. And so I sat down for the first time and watched Moana with her. Uh Because cars is the big thing in our house. Danny Uh is like, cars, cars, cars. Uh And I asked Aria the other day I was like do you would you rather watch this or this she's just a cars so like it's the thing in the house uh-huh. and sidebar cars one and three great I still don't know about cars oh I got you we were that was a huge part of our lives back in the day <laughs> too I remember so we watched Moana for the first time love that movie so much and my thing was going into the movie how is it the kids can watch movies several times over and over and over and over and over and it's because they see something new every time they watch, mm-hmm. right? Watching Cars for the thousandth time, I for the first time saw Radiator Springs from the view where they were like, oh, this is so beautiful. And he saw Radiator Springs for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, so we go into Moana. And I hadn't watched the movie because I'm like, oh, it's for my daughter. Who cares? She's not feeling well. So I'm like, okay, we'll sit down and we'll watch this movie. And that song, like how far it'll go. I know. Oh my God. I, it wrecks me every time I have, I actually, I don't know if I can find it right now, but I actually drew, I made a card for each of my kids and I drew that Tafiti Takata thing like that. I drew that for my kids to tell them, you know, and wrote them each a letter about who they are in their hearts. And like, because it is, I'm with you. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that is, of all the Disney movies ever, I got a lump in my throat, probably got an actual tear down my, I might've ugly cried, but (laughs) (laughs) during that, because it's so beautiful and it's a perfect picture of what happens to us in general is that our hearts, they get hardened and we become this ugly version it's not who we are and we just need and how and for me it's spiritual it's like how far god comes to us how far god goes to bring us back to who we really are it's good yeah that's it like that 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 one song that one story sums up so much in my life right now it's like i think the words are something like the sky and the sea, there's like a line, and there's no far how there's no telling how far it'll go or how mm-hmm. far I'll go to see what that is. Mm-hmm. And I realized, so like, 
everything in life is like that. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying about God like brings us into this so that we can see where we are so that we know where we're at, right? Mm-hmm. I realized my 20s, I'm off path and all of these things are happening and maybe they're like slight whispers to say, hey, you're not where you need to be. And I'm not seeing it because I'm like, I'm designing my life. Mm-hmm. I'm designing it. Mm-hmm. And But and, are you? <laughs> exactly. So in my training, it's the universe. But what it really is, it's, it's any name you want to use, mm-hmm. right? And so I realized it's God. I grew up in the church. Mm-hmm. Like I went to ACU and that's kind of where I got threw off mm-hmm. was I'm at chapel. Everything's great. But then it's dark and everybody's like acting wild. Gotcha. And so I was like, I don't know about this Christian thing. But now with this, like I'm, I use the word universe because it's more expansive for people. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's God. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like God is, if, when I stop trying to design my life and I allow God to design the life, it looks way better than whenever I do it. It's, that's so good. And it's a matter of trusting deep down that the things that really make your heart leap make your heart leap because that's who you're called to be and how you're designed. Because I guarantee you, not everybody has this feeling of like, I'm going to be a life coach and I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to, that's, that's not everybody's calling, but it's your calling. And I know it's your calling because I've seen you, you know, like it just emanates off of you. Well, let me, let me, yeah. let me say this. Um, that is 100, right? I believe that, that when we listen to that voice there, it, it guides us a specific way. But something that I've seen is I've looked back to see where it was true. Mm-hmm. And we all can do this. We can all look back and say, okay, what are some of the best decisions that I made in my life? Mm-hmm. What are some of the worst decisions that I made in my life? Where was my head at when I was doing those things? Mm-hmm. And what I looked back and saw was like, when I said, oh, I'm done with it, who cares? God put it there. He said, boom, there it is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's almost like it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's like when I stop thinking that I know the answer Mm -hmm. and allow just. Well, it takes a lot of courage to do that because you've got, you have to have, you have to have courage to stop trying to control all the wires. Mm -hmm. Stop trying. I think I have a, a, you know, I know there's these six human needs and you've got certainty and uncertainty. And I think my need for certainty is off the charts compared to my need for uncertainty. I'm trying to get better at that. I think I do have an element of uncertainty that I need because I'll get, I jump around a lot. I'm like, oh, now I want to go do this. Well, there's a part of me that's afraid though and won't really go like dig in deep with something because I'm afraid I'm not going to be the best at it or I'm not going to do it perfectly. I guess my point is like, but you have to be really courageous to stop trying to control the reins because that means you're gonna have to just follow what's next when I quit last year I quit my job in social work and I've been working toward retirement you know I'm I it was like oh I need to really start thinking about retirement there's a time in my young years where I'm like you know in my 20s and early 30s that it was like oh retirement so far off and all of a sudden I looked and went like man why am I not really preparing for retirement And I went back to a career where I was vested for retirement, working for the government. And I really quickly, because I'm trying to keep my certainty on, trying to keep all my, like, okay, I know I need to have this nest egg over here. And I know I need to be ready for this. And that job was stressing me out so bad. I was like, man, am I going to even make it to retirement? I went to bed one Friday night with chest pains and I thought something's wrong here. Like, why am I giving so much of myself when I've chosen to be a wife and I've chosen to be a mom and yet I'm expending myself, spinning my wheels in a career that it's not like I'm, you know, rolling in the dough with it, if we're being honest. And I've put my own limit on myself as, in my opinion, looking now, I'm like, I, you know, I can blame a ceiling that there's a ceiling for me, but... I think it goes back to you're going to teach people how to treat you. Well, the same thing with your career and your financial success. You're going to teach people 
what you're worth in terms of how much you'll accept and how much you'll keep doing. And are you going to just step out of that comfort zone and that umbrella of certain income? This is a certain income, but it's not what I feel like I'm, I'm worth with what I give. I give all of myself to something and I think I bring some good gifts to the table. So stepping out from under that umbrella is uncertain, but then you have like, you can go as high as you want. You What you're doing, and, and it's hard at first, there's a grind. There's this, like you said, building clientele. I'm doing that in the real estate business right now. Like it's not simple to have people call you up to do the real estate, even though I know good and well, I'm a good realtor. I am a very meticulous person. If you want somebody on your side, it's me. But the world doesn't know that. <laughs> I love what you're saying. I, I love what you're saying. Like, especially about just because you make the decision to to want to live life on your own terms. This, this is essentially how we talk about it, me and my friends right now. So um, you said that you were going to start a podcast me mm -hmm. um and you've been doing the thing doing the work of it for let's say three months and you don't you you're shocked that you're not already at tony robbins level and i, I it hits me every time they say it i'm like oh yeah <laughs> i still got some learning to do uh-huh but you know my son does it he started a youtube channel and he was his friend has thousands of followers and and or subscribers they call them subs he's like i got so -so, i got 12 subs mom i'm like subs what are subs subscribers i've got 12 subscribers and he's my son is like i'm putting out an episode every single day it is pertinent that i do this so he has that stick with itness and he's gonna do it and those 12 subscribers are they're what makes him motivated to do that and so there's a part of me that wants to discount it and there is a part of me that's setting boundaries as a mom and saying, well, if you're going to have that attitude, you're not going to have your phone. So good luck getting your episode up. But <laughs> so like, you know, cause he likes to throw that out when there's a consequence of no phone, but he really is genuinely, there's a part of me that wants to dismiss those 12 followers and say like, bud, your 12 followers are going to be fine. But the truth is his level of loyalty to those 12 followers is what's going to eventually lead to him having more and more and more because he's committed to making sure that he's getting his content out there. Don't despise the day of the small beginning. Yo, I had a coaching call. Somebody was coaching me this morning and we're talking about who is it that I'm trying to talk to? So Friday I thought was my best, my best talk yet. Right? I haven't heard it. I'm going to go listen to it. And I was trying to answer someone's question. The first question she asked was, like, did you answer the person's question? I'm like, uh... She's like, I don't know that you did. And I was like, okay, all right, I got you. But what was cool was she was like, who, when you were doing this, who were you trying to talk to? Were you talking to this one girl? And I was like, no. Like, she's like, so how many people watch your videos? I was like, I mean, let's say, let's say 20. There's maybe more than that, but let's say 20. She goes, are you talking to each one of those 20? I'm like, No. I'm talking to the millions of potential people that one day will. And she's like, oh, so you think that talking to 20 million people is going to be valuable to one person? I'm like, well, when you say it like that, no. That is so good. I'm taking that and filing it away. That is good information right there. Yeah. I love these conversations because there's always little nuggets of breakthrough for me that make me go like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. That's what we do it for. Yeah. That's, that's it. Well, that's what my brother asked me just this morning. He was like, what are you, what are you interviewing people for? And, you know, and I told him my podcast was originally, the vision of it was I'm trying to navigate this road away from being a type A perfectionist, has to be just right, to actually just, trusting that excellence is is good enough that excellence is the right path and it frees us up to actually move forward and take steps toward our dreams for me the perfectionism piece of it is what holds me back it paralyzes me i'm, I'm afraid to take the next step because it's not just right my sound may not be just right today we're sitting in my very casual office today probably should have shut that door now that I think about it, it might be echoey but we'll have to deal with that it's fine but you know what it's it's the beginning and you learn as you go and as long as I'm not just 
I don't think there's a place, if you're really wanting to do something, you don't be haphazard about it, but don't expect perfection of yourself or you're never going to go forward because perfection isn't attainable. Does perfectionism, what comes to mind when you think of perfectionism? Are you a perfectionist? No, not a perfectionist. Um, this is like the conversation with my friend this morning. Kind of had this, like, I'm the opposite, right? Like, let's get it out there. Let's get going. I'll learn it as we go. We'll get better. Da, 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 da. From the time, so that's what I was thinking because you and I discussed podcasts. And then I had already put out an episode or something, and then you listened to it, and mm-hmm. you... It, it, was it after that or before that that you had started yours? after that. Okay. After I listened to yours. And then all of a sudden, I'm on Instagram, and I'm like, I saw your video on my feed, and I was like, oh my goodness, he's doing this. I told him about this, and we talked about this over a year ago and I've only done two episodes and he's just cranking them out. Like whether it's five minutes or 15 minutes, you're interviewing people from a a distance, you're doing the whole thing. And so what, from the time you have an idea until you implement it, how much, what's your turnaround time generally? Well, that's changed over the course the the conversation me and my friend had uh, was, hey Danny, I know that you like to just put content out there and get better at it, but are you now saying, hey, this is how you lose money? Because I'm telling these stories, mm-hmm. and essentially, you know, like we are trying to offer value. Right. Not only are we trying to offer you value, but at the same time, I'm trying. I'm literally pushing the edge of my knowledge of because like, we're essentially experts in our field mm-hmm. right so we are pushing the boundaries of what we know mm-hmm. and what people need to know and those are two totally different things because what i'm learning is not necessarily valuable to you mm-hmm. but if i can find that valuable thing and then i can learn on that edge together mm-hmm. oh well then we've come together to make something beautiful together and i'm recognizing that like i'm putting out content now where it's like i'm not trying like the goal is not necessarily, I'm trying to get better at this. I'm just, I said that I was going to do a daily podcast. Mm-hmm. So now I'm doing it and this is what's coming from it. Mm-hmm. So then it's to go back to the drawing board and say, oh, well, if I'm going to keep doing this daily thing, well then can we have some sort of value add so that people are actually getting something of it? Okay. So. It sounds like you have some really great connections in your life that you have people who will challenge you on that and say, I think it's so important if we're growing that we have people who are going to push us to grow and not just accept us where we are, uh, accept us, but not let us stay there. Yeah. And it sounds like you have voices of influence in your life that are willing to say like, Hey, I love what you're doing. And I love that you are, you're keeping your word. You're a man of your word. That's integrity. But let's reevaluate. Is it better to put something out every day or is it better to put something out that people are going to watch and say, I want to share this and I want to come back the next time I see it, right? Is that where you're kind of headed with that? Yeah. What you're saying about having these people in my life, I didn't know that I had these people in my life. I didn't know that that's why I was attracted to certain types of people. Oh, yeah. Until here really recently. When we started doing this, I didn't realize that the reason why I was doing this is because I am trying to sharpen my iron versus Mm -hmm. someone that I feel has sharpened the iron in whatever specific category of life. Mm -hmm. Well, I have these people now that are saying, Hey Danny, like if this is what you want to do, like let's work together to make sure it gets, it gets done right. It's easier. The easy road is to put people in your life who just pat you on the back. Mm -hmm. I'm actually having to intentionally find people in my life that are going to push me to grow. I've, I've had a, I live a somewhat on some levels, despite the fact that I have this achiever mentality, like I, it's almost like I'm tapping into who I really am now and, and it's taken me a while to get there, but 
I've settled for complacency and I've surrounded myself with complacency. If you are someone who wants to keep growing and that's where I am, I'm where you are. I'm just older in life where I'm where you were at 30 when you were like, I'm just going to start consuming these things and I'm going to start growing. What's really funny is when I started this podcast, I wasn't at that place. I was working and I had shifted careers and then I just, like I said, went to bed with chest pains one night and was like everything's flipped on its head I'm just quitting my job and I don't know what's next and thank God my husband has dealt with me for 13 years and knows how I am all in or not at all in and I've been all in on a lot of things in the course of our marriage and he'll he's like okay like it it, because I you know it wasn't it wasn't that simple it we had to have a conversation of me Saying, like, I need to know that you believe in me. I need to know that the one person in my life that I'm partnered up with believes what I'm saying when I say I have things to give and things to offer and a calling on my life that I'm not answering to. And I need you to see it in me, too, so that I can have the courage to step out and say, I'm going to do something different. And... um and it, it was a good conversation. It it went maybe a little bit south for a while, but, but it came back around. And it was what I needed was my partner to be on board with me. And then as soon as I laid down that job, I, I think I hadn't even finished my notice yet. I was still at the job. And I hadn't even finished and it dropped in my lap with immense clarity that I was going to become a realtor. Mm. And I could look back and see all the times that I had looked at becoming a realtor and thought, oh, I'd love to do that. You know, maybe after I retire. I don't know why I thought that because I just had it in my mind. I was compartmentalizing my life to say like, I went and my master's degrees in psychology and now I'm going to become a counselor or a social worker or something like that's all I'm going to do in my life. Like, And not that, that there's not, not that's all I'm going to do. That's so important and valuable and but for me, it's never been the niche where I have, I've just stayed at status quo instead of advancing. And it's because that's not where I've been called. And I never thought about going into a career where you can make a profit or where you can earn more money than I was raised seeing as a possibility. And it's not all about money, but I've had so many limits on myself when it comes to finances. Like I set them on myself because I never had anything else modeled for me that I can go and I can do this and I can do what I'm lo- what I love and I can do what I'm called for and in the meantime, I can be really financially secure if I if I put all my hard work out there and I provide value to people which is and help people. I love helping. It's just the framework of government sector or um just working for other people it just felt like I was always hitting this wall of I'm not gonna go any further and it's not because they don't see my value people tell me all the time that they see my value you know but then there's only a certain amount of resources within whatever to be able to help pour into that value and so it's like I'm gonna come over here and we'll just see what happens so you made the decision or you said okay I'm leaving chest pains I'm leaving falls in your lap that okay I should be a realtor that happened you're you're in a real estate right now has it been sunshine and rainbows the whole way that's a really good question it has been the best fit i've ever found it, the only thing right now that makes it not sunshine and rainbows which i am aware is just part of it is that i'm having to build my clientele okay yeah and okay so i said it's a perfect fit the one thing that is not the good fit in all of it is I really shy away from self-promotion. So calling people to tell them I'm a realtor, I'm going to have to get rid of whatever dialogue I have in my head that says that self-promoting my business is somehow just self-indulgent. Like it's to bring goodness upon myself when in reality it's just my business. Part of it maybe comes from the fact that I'm used to working for other people and doing this because this is what I'm doing for this organization. So if I, I sometimes have to trick myself and be like, okay, well, I'm on a real estate team. So I'm not really doing this for myself. I'm doing this for my team. And I pretend like they assign me to call a certain number of people. 
so that then I get the courage up to call people and be like, hey, I'm, you know, I just want to let you know I'm a realtor now. And, and I really call in to check on people and see how they're doing. But my brain immediately goes to, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm, I don't really care about them that I'm just calling to tell them that I'm a realtor. But in reality, what it is, is that I love people and I love checking in on people. And this is a beautiful, like, marriage of this thing that I love doing, checking in on people, really connecting with people, and then also being able to say, hey, if you hear of anybody who needs to buy or sell a house, please just send them my way. But, and I can say that talking to you right now, but when it's time for me to make my calls during the week, I'm like, oh, they're gonna, I don't want them to think that this is insincere when I bring it around to, hey, I just want to, if you know of anybody looking to buy or sell real estate, could you please just you know, send them my way. What you're talking about is the struggle as a coach too, mm-hmm. right? Like putting yourself out there. And this is, <laughs> I'll just tell you how I like gained the confidence. I have a home girl that I went to high school with and she sells insurance. Uh-huh. And she calls me once a week, probably. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't care. She doesn't. She, no, like she has a, she has a, a picture on her Instagram right now that says before you go get tested for COVID, make sure you have life insurance because you can't get this bag of money if you have COVID. That's awesome. And so what I realized was insurance salesmen do not care. Right. What I got going on or if I care about their insurance or not. They want to sell me their insurance. Uh, MLMs. Anybody that says to me, anybody that A, wants to get on the phone more than me and then B, says Oh, I got, you got to meet my mentor. I know they're trying to sell me something. Mm-hmm. And they love doing it. Mm-hmm. And what I realize is I am not trying to sell you something. I am actually just trying to have a conversation with you, see how you're doing. And through that, you know I'm a coach. Or if you don't, I could tell you, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I want you to know that I'm here. And my homeboy, Andreas, lives in Houston, sells real estate. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I was like, dude, like, how do you do this as a real estate agent? Like, how do you make these calls? He's like, most people want to hear from you. I I will say that every, I I would venture to say even 100% of the people that I call, I'll get off the phone and as I'm getting off the phone, it's like such a mutually uplifting conversation. And my brother put it to me really well. He's on my real estate team. He's one of my team leaders. And he said, Hannah, I mean, if you had an old friend from high school that called you up and said, hey, how's it going? It's good to hear from you. Oh, and by the way, uh, I have this business. So if you hear of anybody that's interested in the service I provide, would you mind just like letting them know? Would you be pissed at them? (laughs) Would you be like, oh my gosh, the nerve. Why would they call me for that? Why did they just call me? I struggled with that. That's I actually didn't think I had any friends a few months ago. Like... (laughs) I was like, oh, I don't have any friends. I couldn't call anybody right now and get them over here. So I was telling myself. The lies we tell ourselves. And then I go, like, I start calling people like, hey, what's up? I didn't realize that people are waiting for me. To call them. Because you are, you, well, you've got that natural exhorter tendency. You're an, you're an exhorter. So there, a lot of people depend on exhorters to call and encourage, to call and uplift. And they don't, it's not that they don't think about you and think that, but sometimes they forget that we need encouragement too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few questions I want to ask. If you could pinpoint one thing that's been the game changer in your life, what was it? Realizing I didn't have to listen to my thoughts. That's good. How are you a game changer? Mm, I think I just lead by example. I would venture to say from what I've seen of you, that's absolutely true. It's one thing to talk to people and you talk, talk, talk. And you know, I don't have it right. I don't, I'm not getting it right yet, but I, I'm better than I used to be. I'm, you know, for me, one of the biggest things that I'm learning is mindfulness. It's what you're talking about, realizing that your thoughts come and then they also go. And, and just because you have an emotion, you get to choose what you associate with that emotion and you can associate something negative with it or something positive with it. And then that's going to dictate how you feel. And so, um, so for me, what it's done is it's helped me to shift really quickly. Um, I'm going to share an example and my husband probably won't listen to this anyways, but he, you know, we were climbing enchanted rock 
recently, this is such a stupid story, but I'm going to tell mm -hmm. you anyways. We were climbing Enchanted Rock and uh, I was with my other, my brother and his family. We're having a great time, but, you know, I stopped to try to take a picture with my husband and he acts like he's too cool to take pictures with us is how I feel. It's almost like it puts him out to have to stop and take a picture with us. And meanwhile, I'm watching my brother and sister-in-law happily pose for every picture opportunity. They're both enjoying it together. And he, and so I'm doing this comparison thing, which is a big issue, but so I went over to him and I, I got quiet with him off to the side and I was like, hey, it's important to me that you don't feel put out by having a picture with us. This is a memory we're creating and it really hurts my feelings. And I put it just like that, like you would have thought I was in a therapy session learning how to communicate. I was like, when you scoff or sigh when I want to have a picture, I feel instead of like, you're doing this, you know, I did it in the right framework. And then, and he... It was a little bit, we didn't have a big old blow up on the mountain or anything, but he just was like, okay, yeah, that's not what I'm not put out, but okay. Well, so then I'm stewing and my stomach was in a little bit of knots. And because I've been on this mindfulness journey, I very intentionally stopped and started listening to the air around me and feeling what the mountain felt like under my feet and listening to the sounds of people laughing and climbing and I started focusing on my breathing all those things and it's really truly amazing I promise you a month ago I would not have stopped to do that and I would have stayed in my funk and I would have let it mess up my time and then I'm able to teach my child to do that when she's getting funky about something on the climb because it's a hot climb I mean it was you know, so she had her moment and I was able to shape her and teach her and interrupt her pattern by, I realized like she's, I realized there's something more going on with her. She's jealous of the time I'm spending with my son on the mountain, but it's coming out in, oh, I hurt my ankle and nobody cares. And this is so hot and nobody, and being able to just go with her and recognize what's happening with her, interrupt her pattern and talk to her about, you know, we can choose at any given moment, but, but coming from a place of authenticity instead of a place of, I'm going to tell you how to do this, but I'm pissed at your dad right now and I'm going to stay that way. But no, I had just walked through it. So then I can take my, a voice of authenticity and modeling and then approach my child to teach them a way to do that as well. That's what I teach. And it's not, I'm not teaching people new things. Uh-huh. Okay. It's what we already do. Oh, cool. And the fact that you've seen yourself do that, you're going to keep doing that. And that's, you'll see that you can do that everywhere. That's awesome. Everything. And it's that, a game changer. Yeah, that is a game changer. It's like snow globes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you set down a snow globe that day, and then you think that there's not another snow globe out there, but there'll be another one. Mm -hmm. And because you set that one down, just like your daughter, that was another snow globe. Mm -hmm. And you were able to listen to what was going on in a different way because you took the time to notice. So if the world was your audience for five minutes and it was a guarantee that they would hang on your every word, what piece of advice would you give? For five minutes and they were going to hang on every word. I just, I don't need five minutes though. Enjoy your experience, whatever it is. So... Mm -hmm. I used to get upset about something that would happen and I thought that I needed to change the being upset. Now, just like realize I was upset, there was something that upset me. What is it that upset me? And then listening to the answer, like asking a legitimate question of myself and then legitimately asking or listening to the answer. Mm -hmm. And that's what showed up. That's what showed up different for me is listening, truly listening to the question that I put out there. And you talked about thoughts. They come and they go. They're kind of like clouds. Mm -hmm. Like they could be anything that we want them to be. Mm -hmm. But I see the same cloud you see and you see something completely different. And you can't possibly see how I saw the same thing. It's good. It's true. And so just like thoughts, like clouds, they come, they go. 
And the one cool thing is, is if I allow my thought to pass, whatever it is, a new one takes its place. Mm-hmm. So I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, da-da-da-da-da. The same things are looping and looping and looping in my head. What I'm looking for is one new thought. Mm-hmm. One new thought. And that one new thought takes me in all Different kinds. direction, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's you're doing the podcast. You're doing the... Are you doing it on YouTube? I know you do it on yeah. Instagram. I call it a tubecast. I like it. <laughs> a tubecast. That's good. Tell us where to find you. Danny Cobbin. I've changed everything over to just my name so okay. that it's easy to find. Okay. Super. Yeah. Danny, Danny Cobbin. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have a website where they can book so life coaching or I, are you still doing that? Or? I am. I have a website. It's, you know, it's Under still construction. a work in progress. Okay. Um, on Instagram, there is a book now feature where that is directly linked to my calendar. Cool. So if you go on Instagram... Danny Cobbin, there's that book now, and you can just click that, and it will book a, you can book a free, like, clarity session. So just the first session to see where it is you are and, and, and what it is that coaching could help you with. Cool. Essentially. That's it. Thank you so much for coming over here today. We will continue to connect iron sharpening iron. You know, I feel like you're one of those people, and I'm trying to surround myself with some of those people in my circle, so... Yes. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for having me. Is there anything else that you feel like you want to say that we didn't cover? I'm sure as soon as I walk out of here, I'll be like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said Uh, that. Well, if you do, put it up on your Instagram, which is Danny Cobbin, Mm -hmm. C-O-B-B-I-N. Yes, ma'am. Yep. So we'll be looking for it. All right. Thank you so much. Awesome. So there you have it, friends. Danny Cobbin. Look him up. He has lots of wisdom to share on his Instagram. You can book him if you'd like for life coaching. And if you liked this episode, I would ask that you would please subscribe to my podcast, share it with your friends, get the word out. The only way I get more listeners is if you rate and review me and share my podcast. So I'm depending on you if you found this information to be helpful in your own life. It's probably helpful in someone else's as well. I'd love your feedback. You can email me at perfectcellent at gmail.com. That's P-E-R-F-E-X-C-E-L-L-E-N-T at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, P-E-R-F underscore excellent on Instagram at Pursuing Perfectcellence and on Facebook, Pursuing Perfectcellence Podcast. I look forward to hearing from you, and I also look forward to meeting you right here again next week for my next guest as we continue the journey away from the paralyzing pursuit of perfection and toward the empowering expectation for personal excellence. Have a great week, friends.